The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ada Shen is traveling in Japan this week. With the first ever meeting between a sitting U.S. president and a North Korean leader called off, at least for the time being, with an uneventful visit by Angela Merkel to Beijing, and with Sino-American trade tensions now lowered to a simmer, at least for the time being, let's start with business news. Internet company Sina is planning a secondary listing in Hong Kong in what would be one of the first floats to take advantage of the city's new rules designed to attract tech equity offerings. NASDAQ-listed Sina, which has a 46% stake in China's Twitter-like Weibo, is working with advisors on the listing that will likely take place in the fourth quarter. The offering size has yet to be finalized. The plan comes at a time when Hong Kong has loosened its rules to woo Chinese new economy companies, including tech firms and early-stage drug developers, to list in the Asian financial hub. Under the new rules, firms in Greater China that listed in New York or London before December 2017 are allowed to list in Hong Kong with their existing voting rights structures, which give greater powers to founding shareholders. This is a big shift for Hong Kong, whose one-share-one-vote principle has, for 30 years, blocked efforts by tycoons from Li Ka-shing to Alibaba's Jack Ma from listing alternative shareholding structures. U.S. electric car startup Tesla has received tentative approval from the Shanghai government to manufacture cars in the city, sources familiar with the matter told Caixin. Tesla's factory would be in the Lingang Industrial Zone in the city's Pudong New Area, sources said. But the agreement, signed this month, is only a letter of intent, meaning it is not legally binding. The company had been negotiating with the Shanghai government last year to open an assembly plant in the city, but the plan stalled, reportedly due to disagreements over the ownership structure. The Trump administration has reached a deal to put Chinese telecommunications company ZTE back in business. 
As with a similar announcement last week, the proposal deal ran into immediate resistance in Congress, where Democrats and Trump's fellow Republicans accused him of yielding to pressure from Beijing to ease up on a company that allegedly poses a risk to U.S. national security. Earlier this year, ZTE was banned from buying U.S. technology components for breaking an agreement reached after it violated U.S. sanctions against Iran and North Korea. It would now be allowed to resume business with U.S. firms, including chipmaker Qualcomm. The new deal requires ZTE to pay a substantial fine, place U.S. compliance officers at the company, and change its management team. The Commerce Department would then lift an order preventing ZTE from buying U.S. products. China may scrap or scale back proposals to ban the online sale of prescription medicines after two drafts of the plan garnered strong opposition, a source close to the drug regulator told Caixin. The U-turn could boost dozens of companies who sell on internet platforms such as Alibaba's Tmall and JD.com. Although no official decision has been made, debate continues to rage within policymaking circles over the proposal. The government has been tightening its regulation over the sale of medicines, both in hospitals and over the internet, for several years, while also trying to balance its aim of lowering drug costs. American dating platform Seeking Arrangement is expected to hit regulatory obstacles in China after achieving rapid popularity. The platform connects men or women looking for financial support or a taste of luxury living, or known as sugar babies, with people, often older, who are willing to provide it, known as sugar daddies or mommies. Seeking Arrangement's official account on Chinese social network app WeChat was suspended by the government on Monday for eroticism, a person with knowledge of the matter told Caixin. A day after the suspension, its app was the most downloaded social networking app on Apple's China App Store, up 765 places on a list compiled by app tracker App Annie. It has since remained at the top spot and is still downloadable and operational as of Friday. The app is set to face a crackdown in the near future. It usually takes 5 to 10 working days for China to issue a ban on apps that violate rules. China said it cannot explain what happened to an American citizen working at a U.S. consulate who reported suffering from abnormal sounds and pressure leading to a mild brain injury. The U.S. Embassy, which issued an alert last week to Americans living in China, said it could not link the case to health problems suffered by U.S. staff in Cuba dating back to 2016. The U.S. consulate worker in Guangzhou had reported various symptoms dating from late 2017 to April of this year, the U.S. Embassy in Beijing said. The State Department said it will send a medical team to Guangzhou this week to conduct medical evaluations of all consulate employees who request it. A man who was imprisoned for 25 years before having his conviction overturned is asking the Chinese government for $2.6 million in compensation. This case is the latest in a raft of wrongful convictions uncovered in recent years in China, and critics say the known total represents only a fraction of all such cases. Liu Zhonglin, a farmer in the northeastern province of Jilin, was arrested in 1990 on suspicion of killing a woman whose body was found in a river. Liu told Caixin that police tortured him during the 11 days of interrogation that ensued. 
He said interrogators whipped him and stuck toothpicks beneath his fingernails in an effort to force him to confess. The torture resulted in one of his toes being broken, and it developed an infection so severe that he had to have his lower right leg amputated, he said. Liu eventually pleaded guilty, and he was sentenced to death with a two-year reprieve. The conviction was later overturned, and he was released after more than 25 years, the longest known imprisonment resulting from a wrongful conviction in China. He is now asking for $1 million in compensation, triple the amount directed by law, for the more than 9,000 days he spent behind bars, and is also demanding a $1 million in compensation for mental trauma, medical bills linked to his treatment, and money he spent petitioning authorities for a retrial. Flights in the world's second largest air travel market were delayed by an average of 24 minutes last year, a year-on-year -year increase of 8 minutes, with the Chinese aviation watchdog arguing bad weather was the main culprit. 8 minutes may not sound like a lot, but that's a 50% worsening from the previous year. In 2017, 72% of flights leaving Chinese airports departed on time. The agency attributed most of the delays to bad weather conditions and air traffic control problems, but China faces bottlenecks largely due to its military having control over airspace. Demand for air travel has grown rapidly in China in the last few years, and experts say the nation is likely to overtake the U.S. as the world's largest market by 2022. Air China, the country's largest airline, had the lowest punctuality rate of any of the world's 20 largest airlines by flight numbers, with a punctuality rate of only 60%. This compares with Japan Airlines' rate of 85% and the U.S.-based United Airlines' rate of 80%. Let's turn now to Caixin Global Managing Editor Doug Young to chat about a few of the other stories in the news this week. Three corporate stories this week, Doug. First one is about Akon. Who is Akon and, and what is the deal? Akon's a big uh, infrastructure builder in Canada. They're actually the, the biggest publicly listed infrastructure builder. And they're in a deal to sell themselves to this Chinese company called China Communications Construction. And uh, basically, the deal got axed by the Canadian government on national security concerns. Was this a pretty straightforward decision by Canadian authorities on the deal? This was actually a bit unusual. I don't think anybody saw it coming because uh, we've, we've seen a growing number of deals killed in the U.S., but they've tended to mostly involve financial services and high tech. And this one was in infrastructure, which seems like it should be less sensitive, but I guess Canada decided it wasn't. And as far as we can see, is there a legitimate national security concern here? Well, I think the, even in the Trump cases, he made an argument for national security, like, you know, we're selling away our future by giving away these leading edge uh, tech companies. And then with finance companies, too, you know, U.S. financial services, very critical to the I mean, we saw the global financial crisis. You don't really want to necessarily expose your financial system to potentially hostile forces that could wreak havoc on you. So uh, in terms of this infrastructure you know, there's always the potential for infrastructure builders to, you know, plant stuff into their bridges and their roads and stuff. So national security is always a tricky call, but it seems like in, in the current climate, people are sort of erring on the side of caution. 
Okay, so Canada has joined the Blocking China Deals Club. Uh, let's move on to Foxconn. I think most of our listeners probably know who they are, but uh, for those of us who don't, why don't you remind everyone who Foxconn is and tell us why they're back in the news again this week? Yeah, Foxconn is probably the biggest company that lots of people have never heard of. Uh, they make iPhones for Apple, which is what everybody sort of uses them for. They're they're what's called a contract manufacturer. Is, is their bread and butter. It's a Taiwanese company, and they make products for other companies. So uh, the, this story is basically that they're trying to sort of get out from under that doing business for other people and, and developing some of their own products. In this case, it's cloud computer servers and robotics and a few other sort of cutting edge things. And they put it all into this company and this company's getting ready to make an IPO in Shanghai, which is going to raise $4.3 billion, which is quite large and actually would be the biggest IPO in Shanghai for the last three years. So, Doug, tell us what was special about this particular deal, um, not just the size, but apparently the speed too, yeah? Well, uh, besides its big size, the other special thing about this deal was just how quickly it went to market. Uh, in China, the regulator is famous for just sometimes taking years, certainly months, to uh, go vet deals and and get them ready and then to actually IPO them. Uh, And in this case, Foxconn did all that in just the space of two or three months. And what's happened is basically China is realizing it's chasing off some of its best companies like Alibaba and Baidu that are going to the U.S. because they just don't want to wait, you know, five years to make a listing. So uh, now China is, is setting up this sort of fast track system where companies can essentially skip to the front of the line if the regulator determines they're sort of a hot and sexy company. And finally, some news about Costco, where as a loyal American consumer, I spend a couple of hours and a few hundred dollars every Sunday afternoon. Um, Tell us why they are in the news, and could it be that the fondest wishes of Chinese consumers could come true? You're right. They're a household name in the U.S., but they're, they're famous for their bulk it's it's called like a warehouse grocery shop but they're famous for their huge quantities you know you buy like a 5 gallon tub of of uh, cooking oil or you buy a year's supply of dog food or something like that so that's Costco they're they're very sort of trendy and they're they're big for people with big families you know maybe some small entrepreneurs but anyway, they're big in the US and and now they're coming to China Actually, Taishin, we we have uh, broken the story here that uh, Costco is actually in the process of setting up a couple of stores in Shanghai. Um, they've been in China for, I think, about the last three years now, but as an online-only presence. So this is going to be like the first coming of their big warehouse format stores, and, and they're both in sort of suburban areas of Shanghai because they do require quite a bit of space. So do you think it could succeed there? I mean, you've lived in Taiwan. I mean, I've shopped at Costco there. What lessons does their experience in Taipei provide for Shanghai? Yeah, there's some questions about whether or not the Chinese will be into this, especially since most Chinese do tend to only have one kid. You know, they don't have these big families that do necessarily need these big bulk items. I had a personal experience when I used to live in Taiwan, and and there were two or three Costco's there, and they were very, very, very popular. Um, And it was interesting because they sort of had developed into this sort of phenomenon. It became like a destination store where it was sort of trendy and and cool to go, and people would like organize all-day outings or half-day outings, you know, with their friends and go to Costco, sort of see what kinds of bargains they could find. So, you know, Chinese like their bargains just like everybody else. Uh, if they can sort of 
get that hip and trendy destination because these are, you know, sort of suburban. So you really do have to make a special trip there. You know, if they can provide value and and sort of create a little bit of fun about them, you know, they, they could end up doing quite well in China. I know lots of folks are going to rejoice in this news, Doug. So thank you for bringing it to us. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you again next week, man. Okay. Thanks, Kaiser. And that's this week's show. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Check out the latest podcast in the Seneca Network, the Pan Daily Tech Buzz China podcast, as well as our flagship current affairs show. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.